Well, now I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5 as we continue our series in the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to begin with verse 16 and read to verse 26. And I invite you to stand as you're able out of respect for the reading of God's inspired word. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. (coughs) But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Amen. You may be seated. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6, says something interesting, something that I think we'll all readily agree with. It says, a faithful man is hard to find. A faithful man is hard to find. Isn't that true? Isn't it true that we live in a world of broken promises, broken vows, broken relationships, and that that's part of why we're broken people? Because we sin and we've also been sinned against. One of the most earth-shattering ways to be sinned against is to be betrayed, to be lied to, to count on a friend and then for him to fall through. You know, yesterday I was part of a neighborhood cleanup and we were outside of a house that just had a mountain of trash on it. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Walked up to it and started shoveling things into the trash um, truck that was with us. I picked up this one uh, picture. It was clearly a a picture for children. On the front, there were pictures of horses and and a carnival ride. And on the back was something written in in maybe by a teenager or, or a young adult in red ink. It said, everything I thought was true is a big mountain of lies. That stuck with me. That that's what a little child would come to write on the back of a a picture. And there there it stood. There it was left, that child's picture with her writing on it. 
on a big pile of trash, a big heap of lies. And that stuck with me. thought, you know, we live in a world like that. We live in a world where someone goes up and takes the witness stand in a courtroom and, and you, you don't know that their word's really going to be their bond. We live in a world where the selfishness in our hearts leads us to pledge that we'll be a certain way, be a certain thing, come through for others. And then we don't. And yet, the good news of Galatians chapter 5 is that the Lord does not leave the world like this. The good news of Galatians chapter 5 is that God is reaching deep into that big pile of lies and he is taking us and he's forming in us his truth. God is determined to form you, you this morning, into faithful people, dependable, loyal, trustworthy, true to your word. God wants to make you a faithful man, a faithful woman. Yes, that's hard to find, but by the, the power of the Lord who rose Christ Jesus from the dead, we can become that. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. And it's that fruit, that fruit that does not fade or or, or grow, grow rotten, that the Lord is working in your heart if you belong to Christ Jesus. Well, I want us to look at this this morning because you've seen uh, the pattern as we've studied the fruit of the Spirit is one of the patterns that's so evidently clear is God doesn't work something in our hearts that doesn't first belong to Christ Jesus. And if it belongs to Christ Jesus, it belongs to God, Right? God is actually forming in our lives attributes that first belong to him. And Christ Jesus is the way that we get those. And so the first thing we we ought to see is that faithfulness doesn't begin with us. It doesn't begin with us just fixing ourselves and being true to our word. Faithfulness begins with God. And God, as he has, uh, you'll see, as he has revealed himself in Jesus. Is God faithful? Kids, is is God faithful? Yes. Yes, he is. And that is a very, very good thing. God is faithful. And what that means is that you don't have to wonder what kind of God he's going to be when you come to him in prayer. You don't have to guess what God's going to think about you or how he's going to to behave towards you um, or what he's going to say to you because God doesn't change. We have a very big word for God um, not changing, and it's the word immutability. God is immutable. What that means is just this, that he is a rock-solid God. He doesn't change. He doesn't shift. He never changes his mind. He's never overwhelmed by his emotions like we uh, sometimes are. Instead, he is perfectly controlled and perfectly true to himself. He is steady as an anchor, firm as a fortress, always consistent with who he is at the core of his being. 
And so Malachi 3.6 says this, I, the Lord, do not change. Numbers 23.19 says this, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? And the answer is, of course he will fulfill it, because he's that kind of God. You know, Joshua, at the time of Israel making its trek into the promised land, looks back on all that God had said he'd do. And do you know what Joshua says? Joshua says, out of all the things that God promised, every single one of them came true. Joshua says, we had our doubts that God came through. Do you see how God's immutability, his unchangeable um, nature actually expresses itself in his faithfulness. God doesn't change. Therefore, he is faithful, true to himself, true to his word, true to us. God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should suddenly change his mind. That's not who he is. God is faithful, and that means at least two things. I think I could summarize them in two things. First, God being faithful means that God is faithful to judge sin. We just can't get past that. God says that the soul that sins will die. God told Adam, in the day that you sin, curse, death, disease, the reversal of blessing. And the Lord says to us today that there is a coming day of judgment in which he will not just overlook sin, but he will judge it and he'll judge it in such a way that we will, anyone not under his protective hand, not saved by his grace, will say, so this is what it really looks like to be given over to sin, to be given over to my selfishness, to be be given over to judgment. You see, as much as we would hope that the Lord could just pass by our sins, ignore our selfishness. That's not who he is because he's faithful. When God is faithful, it means he is faithful to expect his creatures made in his image to reflect him, to love him, to love one another. And when we make ourselves the center of the universe, God is faithful to say, I must judge that. I must put an end to all self-rule in my kingdom. So God is faithful to judge. And I need to say that because we live in a world that would like that not to be true. You need to understand that there is a coming day in which God will judge all peoples, you. And he's going to judge you by the standard of his perfection. Because if it was anything less than the standard of his perfection, he wouldn't be faithful to himself. So God is going to one day judge the whole world by the standard of his perfection. And the scripture says that not one of us, not one of us will add up to that. But the good news is that God is also faithful to rescue. He is faithful to judge. He's also faithful to rescue. And the scriptures are full of this. Not a moment after 
Adam and Eve fell into sin, God starts speaking to him. And one of the clear things he says to Eve is he makes a promise. He says that there will come an offspring from the woman who will crush the head of Satan, who will crush the deceiver. What is he saying? He's giving that hint that he is making a promise, a faithful promise to preserve a people. He expands upon that promise to Abraham. He says, I am going to give you an offspring, one who is going to crush the head of of Satan. And that offspring is going to be a blessing to the nations, one who will rescue from judgment. The people of Israel start looking for that Messiah, that offspring. And suddenly after... Thousands of years of waiting. He arrives, who? In the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's loud and clear, amen. To all of God's promises. He says, do you, do you want to know if God's faithful? Do you want to know if God keeps his promises? If he's true to his word? Look at Jesus. Because Jesus, in Jesus we say, yes, he'll do it. No, he hasn't changed his mind. He really does rescue Sinners. You see, on the cross, God showed the depths of his faithfulness, faithful to judge. Jesus didn't just come proclaiming a message. Hey, just accept God's forgiveness. He's overlooking everything. Jesus came and died on a cross. Why? To show God is faithful to judge. And the judgment due for your sins, if you believe in Jesus, that judgment fell upon his son. The sinless bearer of your sin. But Jesus on the cross also showed us that God is faithful to rescue. Because as he took the punishment, do your sin on that cursed tree, he also showed that there was a way forward, a way way from rescue from judgment, and that God too would be faithful to that. By nailing his son to the tree, by pouring out his judgment upon Jesus, God was saying, It is finished. It's enough. What my son did is enough to rescue any that call upon his name. And so if you have any doubt this morning about your standing before God, look to Jesus who was faithful and just to forgive your sins by his work on the cross. God was faithful to raise him from the dead to say, it really is complete. Revelation 19.11 calls Jesus. It gives a name to Jesus. I love this. Revelation 19 says Jesus' name is faithful and true. That's his name. Who is Jesus? Faithful and true. Hebrews 13.8 says something else about Jesus. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, he will not fail you. He is not fickle. His sacrifice will not let you down, but he is everything you need and more. And guess what? Right now he stands at the right hand of the Father, intervening for those who are his own, saying, this one's mine. This one's mine. I'm faithful to him. I'm faithful to her. She will not die, but I will raise her up on the last day. Well, this is the faithfulness of God. Is there any doubt that he's faithful? No. And it's this very faithfulness, this faithfulness 
that became incarnate in the personal work of Jesus that we are now called to express in our own lives as a fruit of those who belong to Jesus. We've seen this over and over again with the fruit of the Spirit. That first we see these beautiful attributes of God expressed in the manhood of Jesus himself, and then they're given to us as we're connected with him, uh, as we believe in him, as we trust in him, and we start to become more and more like Jesus. And to become more and more like Jesus means in part to become more faithful. What does it mean to be faithful in our living today? Faithful living looks like being true to all our commitments, dependable to those that count on us, consistent to even those who don't, you know, in the eyes of the world, consistent, trustworthy, reliable, true to our word, loyal. Well, that's pretty far-reaching. Let me break it down. I want to look at several kinds of relationships in which... um, we could practice becoming more faithful. And I'm not going to finish this message, this call to faithfulness, with, without bringing you back to the throne of grace. So hold, uh, keep that handy. But first, I want you to be called to faithfulness in your marriages. You knew that was coming, didn't you? Because what do you pledge? What do you vow when, when you marry a spouse? Forsaking all others, I promise to keep Myself only unto you as long as we both shall live. It's a traditional vow. What does it mean? It means loyalty. It means in part, yes, I'm going to commit to keep physical intimacy with only you. No others. And that's certainly part of faithfulness, isn't it? If I didn't call you to that in your relationships with your spouse. If I didn't call you to renew that in your heart here and now, then I'd be missing a big piece of this. God wants you to be physically faithful to your spouse. It's not optional. He demands it. He takes it so seriously when you depart from that. And so he calls you, if if you are living unfaithfully to your spouse, to confess it to him or her, And to bring it to the church. Talk to, you, talk to the leaders of the church. To repent and turn from this. But that's not where it stops. Because faithfulness also means, it doesn't just mean, yeah, I'm physically pure. I've, I've, I've kept myself to my spouse. It also means actively prioritizing your spouse. Faithfulness means that when you commit to forsaking all others, you promise to keep only unto you this man or, or this woman as long as you both shall live. You must understand that the Lord doesn't just give you this other person and, con- and, and connect you, one man and one woman for life, uh, so that you can coexist. He does it so that you can commit yourselves to one another, build into one another. And so I'd ask you, are you actively prioritizing your spouse? Are you actively seeking to to grow in your relationship with one another? Or have other relationships, other human relationships, that is, started to take precedence? Do the kids loom so large that sometimes it feels like you never have a moment with your spouse? You never get to ask the hard questions. You never... 
you never get to have one-on-one time. You don't really know what the goals and aspirations and fears and dreams of your, of your spouse are. Faithfulness to your spouse looks like starting to fix that now. Starting to say, okay, change course. My marriage relationship is my primary human relationship. You don't get to say, all right, I'm, I'm done trying. This has been hard. I'm going to tap out. I mean, we're going to coexist, but, but that's it. No, that's a betrayal too. Faithfulness looks like leaning into this relationship you've been given. Even if you say, why did I make this commitment? Well, you made it. Time, time to persist in faithfulness. So that's one relationship. What about parenting? Does parenting have anything to do with faithfulness? What does faithful parenting look like? Well, parents, I think you know. It looks like faithful discipline, even when you feel like it's too much trouble for you. It looks like following through when you say, if you do this, you're going to be in trouble. If you're not true to your word, what are you communicating to your kids? It means, well, I can say something that I won't follow through. They can can do whatever they want. Time to get faithful. But faithfulness also means like pursuing care for your children, knowing them, making time out of your lives to bring them into your life. Faithfulness looks like pursuing your young ones. Reading scripture to them, even when it feels awkward and weird, saying, I'm going to be consistent with this. I'm going to do it. What other areas can we be faithful in? We can be faithful in our vocations. We can be trustworthy in our work. Employees, show up to work on time. Put in honest work. Resist scrolling through social media. Complete the tasks that your employer expects you to complete. Try to go above and beyond when you can. Students, your work is school. What does it look like to be faithful in that work? Well, to complete your assignments on time. Show yourselves to be diligent and dependable workers. You will stand out from the world because it's hard to find someone who will actually say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, um, I'll turn in these assignments on time and actually does it. Yeah, I'm going to study for this exam and actually does it. Kids, do you know that you have a job? Do you know what your work is? Yeah. Ephesians 6.1 says, children, here's your job. Obey your parents in the Lord. That's your work right now. You have other jobs on the side of that, but your main job right now is to be faithful to mom and dad. And in doing so, to really be faithful to God. And do you know what that means? It means that when you say you'll clean, you'll clean your room, you do it. When you say, when you tell your parents that you're going to really try not to hit your brother anymore, that you really do it, that you you mean what you say. You're not just saying it so that mom and dad walk away and leave you alone and let you play with your Legos again. You say it because you mean it and God wants you to do it. And so we ought to be faithful in our work as well. And finally, I want to point out that we ought to be faithful to to Christ's church. Remember, 
Part of church membership is making vows before the Lord and to the shepherds and to other members of the church. And those vows mean simply this, that you will be faithful to fight sin, seek Christ, submit to the elders, and faithfully gather for worship. You're here for worship. That's a good thing. That's faithfulness to the Lord because he said, don't neglect getting together. Even when it feels like you're not interested in coming to church, do it. Do it because that's faithfulness. Do it because that's consistency. Don't leave your elders guessing whether you'll be there next Sunday. But leave us thinking, wow, they're not here. That's weird. And by the way, I'm I'm looking out of a group of people that I've, I've seen that to be the case. So be encouraged in that. That's faithfulness. Keep it up. Faithful to the Lord in your living. Even when no one's watching. Friends, that's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot to, it's a lot to work with. Let me share with you a principle that, if you're starting to feel overwhelmed, can be of help. And here's the principle for faithful living. Be faithful in the small things, and God will give you more to be faithful for. You know, in Matthew 25, Jesus talks about that, right? He talks about those that are entrusted with a little and being faithful with a little. And then God gives more and more and more because the one who is faithful with a little will be faithful with much. And that's how God operates. He says, he doesn't say, hey, are you a faithful person? And here's this, 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 this. God says, start with the relationships that you have right here and right now and be faithful with them. Do you have children? Give yourself one goal for the next month to seek to be more faithful to your children. Do you have a spouse? Have one goal to be more faithful to your spouse. Do you have a roommate, a friend that you you spend a lot of time with? How can you be more faithful to them? You, You start with what you've been given, a job, a child, a spouse. And you just seek to be faithful in the small things. And the Lord in time will give you more. Where can you grow in faithfulness? What is the Lord putting on your heart to seek to be faithful in starting today? Don't let it go. Don't, don't let it just you know, dissipate after this sermon. Actually demand of yourself that by the end of this day, you, you, you'll have a goal for how you can press yourself forward in faithfulness by the grace of God in the next week. Let me offer you an encouragement as you seek to do this. Faithful reminders, reminders that will never really fall through for you. I want to give you two of them. First, God sees. God sees everything. Yes, God sees when you're changing diapers. God sees you working in the church nursery when no one else does. God sees you staying up late to finish assignments. And those aren't things that the world notices. Those aren't things you're going to get applause for. But God sees that those faithful, small actions, and he loves them. When you are faithful in these things because you, you, want, to, you want to live for his glory, he loves it. So realize, friends, that when you're tempted to just pull out of the small things because they're not the things that the world notices... The small things are, that, are the things that God delights in more than anything. 
So do them to the glory of your Father. God sees. That's a reminder. Here's another reminder. God remains faithful. Yes, even when we falter, even when we slip, even when we're we're there saying, I can't believe I just dropped the ball on that. I can't believe I told my my kid that I'd be there and, and there I just betrayed them. I can't believe I've just done that to my spouse. Broken another vow. Friends, God will never fail you. He always forgives. He is faithful and just even when we falter. 1 John 1, 9. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. And he remains faithful. Do you understand, friends, that he will keep you and preserve you? He will surely produce in you the fruit of faithfulness. That's good news. That's the kind of news, isn't it, that makes you want to be faithful unto him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, a faithful man is hard to find, but we have found him in Jesus. Make us more like him, conform us to his image so that tomorrow we might be more loyal, more dependable, more consistent than the day before. And Lord, help us to stop making excuses for our broken promises. But right here and right now, help us to put an end to them and to go forward in such a way that the world would say, wow, these Christians actually keep their word. These Christians actually follow through. It must be because of Jesus. We pray all this in his precious name. Amen.